Welcome to Making It, a podcast about making things with your bare hands, hosted by Jimmy DiResta, Bob Cleggett, and myself, David Picciuto. And we're going to get started by talking about what we're working on. Bob, what you got going on over there? I've uh, just finished up a video and I actually finished it up early. It's not supposed to come out until Monday and I'm done with it, which is crazy for me. But um, I made a downdraft table and built it into my workbench. So I got to cut a nice big 18-inch square hole in my table. <laughs> and I saw that. I was wondering what you were doing. Yeah, so downdraft table. Forgive me for not knowing, but I don't know what a downdraft table is. So it's a basically just a box that you plug a shop vac into or anything and it sucks air down through a surface of pegboard or you know a surface that has holes in it and so it's it's a good thing for sanding or anything so you sand on top of it and it's immediately drawing down air in a whole area and so pulling all that stuff away so that's a that's a great thing to have that's actually something i should have yeah and it, it works better than i expected it to honestly so it, it's not good for big sawdust at least the setup i have but Works really well for fine stuff, you know, from sanding. So, yeah, very cool. That's uh, I saw that on your Instagram. That was the hole you cut in your table. Yeah, <laughs> I'm uh, trying to make it look like an accident. Everybody thought I accidentally cut a big uh-huh. square in my table because <laughs> that happens all the time. Oh yeah, yeah. Whoops. Right on. Yeah. So Jimmy, Jimmy, what about you? What are you working on? Um, well, if you guys follow my social media, you noticed this week I built this really cool box this finger jointed box for uh, my friend who's a chef his name is adam perry lang and i met him through george dickel and he's he does events he does like chef cooking barbecue events uh, sort of in line with the with dickel and some other brands and he had this concept of a of a spice box and so we went back and forth through the email and then actually he happened to be in new york for thanksgiving and he came over and spent the day with me on the final day when we finished the build and i built the spice box out of walnut it kind of happened really quick and uh, so I'm considering it a prototype. He likes it. He's, he's going to take it on the road and see how it works for him as far as like the little compartments and a few different areas. We have a drying table in it. It's actually uh, David put a picture of it on the rest of the shop. And there is a video coming up. And uh, so we did that this way. This, <clears throat> since we spoke, I did that. And then also I built the Crown Royal Bar, which is just coming to a close. I'll finish it up. After the podcast, I just have to do the logos and we build packing crates for the whole thing and it gets set up tomorrow on the west side of Manhattan. And as soon as I have the time, I'll, I'll put that video together as well. I would imagine when you build something like that, when you finish it, you're like, oh, that feels so good. And then when you get to build the stupid packing crates, like I, that's got to be such a downer. Like, oh, I've just built this awesome thing and now I got to build a stupid packing crate. It, it, you're right. It's a real pain in the ass. And actually, I've considered, you know, if... If this aspect of my career develops, I'd like to try and get out of the the idea of making packing crates. But uh, we'll see. I mean, maybe I could work with a partner who could do it for me. But it's um, as of now, it's it's part of the job. But we we kind of have a system now. Uh, by default, David and I have a system of building these boxes out of three quarter inch plywood and then quarter inch plywood panels in between, and it's working out. I mean, uh, the good thing is that it doesn't have to be quite as perfect as the rest of it so we can kind of get through it pretty quickly we spent the whole day we built seven packing crates today wow for for these objects these various different components and everything's extremely heavy built out of white oak and white oak plywood you know all the face frames are solid seven eighths inch white oak and uh it's heavy everything is heavy i'm not looking forward to tomorrow morning it's taking everything out of the basement up the steps 
Mm. Ooh, yeah, it's going to be fun. And all the packing crates have wheels on them, but that doesn't help me get up the two sets of stairs I have to go up. Oh, man. Yeah. And the biggest, the light box, which is the biggest back panel, um, is six by six feet. It just barely gets up the stairs. I actually, we haven't glued anything together. So in the event that we have to dismantle it, we could dismantle it, take it out in pieces and put it right back together up the steps. Wow. So <laughs> I'll, I'll let you know what happens. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Yeah. Update on that next, next episode. David, what about you? What are you working on? Well, speaking of seven crates, I just made seven crates myself. They're, no way. Uh, yeah. Um, and this idea came from my viewers of the show. I'm like, I need to do new displays for these handmade shows that I do. Oh, you were talking about that. Yeah, I saw you were talking about that. And uh, um, I think it was Jay Bates. He's like, why don't you make some crates out of two by fours or whatever and, and use those as your display. And you can haul the stuff to the shows in them. I'm like, that's a brilliant idea. Even though I thought of this, I thought of it before. And I just like, eh, whatever. But when somebody else says it, you're like, yeah, I got to do that. And so I did that. And so... Uh, I went to Home Depot. I got one, uh, I, I think it was a six foot two by six. And I figured out how to make a crate out of that. And it's basically looks like an apple crate. And it's like somewhere around like 17 by 14 is the size of it. And I can get, and one two by six is four bucks, three ninety seven at Home Depot. And yeah. so I built seven of them. At, at four bucks a piece and wow. there's a video it's a real simple project uh except it's extremely tedious just cutting all these little slats on the table saw um which can be dangerous because when you after you make like a hundred of these slats you your mind kind of wanders so you need to take a break while doing this absolutely but uh yeah so i got a video of that coming out on friday i did not put a weekly wrap-up video out this week because i've been sick and uh hopefully I meant to ask you that i thought i missed something no yeah not not feeling well um hopefully i'm feeling better by friday that's when i'm heading to cleveland for this next two-day uh handmade show called manly mart so yeah that's what i got going on cool i got a little update um you know a few weeks ago we were talking about hardwood dealers and like where, where everybody got their materials and i said that <clears throat> excuse me i said that i didn't have one here and I actually found a place. Um, I got a commission for a bunch more cutting boards. So I went looking for a place here locally and found a place that they mainly deal with construction lumber, but they do get, they have some hardwood. So finally, I have a place here that I, I can go get some, you know, I got some maple and walnut the other day and a really nice big piece of cherry. So my supply list is growing a little bit. Supplier list. Yeah. yeah. Somebody uh, just posted on my Facebook page the other day saying, hey, are you familiar with this hardwood de- dealer in the Toledo area? And I was like, no, I never heard of it. So apparently there's there's another one I didn't know about. These these hardwood dealers seem to be hidden in the, in the weeds, and I don't mm. think you can just look up hardwood dealer on the internet and, and find them. So there there might be more than, than what you know about. Yeah, that's true. Very cool. How many more cutting boards? Uh, like six. I watched your cutting board thing and and I'm looking on my phone now just so I get my information correct. And I'm after watching your cutting board thing, I think I I think my YouTube suggested somebody else and I I started watching this guy making cutting boards. Have you seen this guy? It's it's something we could tell the fans about. MTM Wood. Love that channel. Absolutely love that channel. This guy is insane. I mean, he talked 
Talk about sharp saws and great planers. I mean, his stuff looks. Perfect. I'm pretty sure he makes cutting boards for a living. Um, and yeah. he, he does a lot of CNC. They're all end grain cutting boards, and then he'll do CNC inlays on the top of them, and they're just it's so good. Amazing. Out of I'm looking at the, the I'm looking at his the uploads now. I only watched the the couple like the 3D steps and then the uh, the circular one, but they're they're insane. So good. He's uh, I believe he's out of Russia. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah, really. Uh, good he's stuff. got great tools. I mean, he's making me jealous. <laughs> <laughs> We'll put a link to that, to his stuff in the show notes. Yeah. The subject today would be getting started. And uh, that, that subject covers a few different bases. And I know from my own personal experience this week and in my little world, getting started meant building that light box for that bar that I was talking about. Every morning I knew that was going to be the last aspect of this giant build I just did. And the light box involved lamps that I had to go buy and I, I might I, I think uh, we were talking, Bob, you and I through Instagram. I said I went to three different Home Depots to get three, yeah. to get 36-inch double lamps, yeah. which happened to be the right ones I needed because of the size scale. And I avoided that for the last three weeks. I knew that was going to be the one hurdle in this particular job. And it, it was so tough for me to get started on that particular aspect of the job. But thankfully... I finally got started two days ago in the morning. I went to the shop and I just said, today's the day. By the end of this day, when we talked about goals, and it's sort of the one way I, I focus on certain goals. I said, come hella high water, tonight at midnight, this thing's going to be behind me. And, mm. uh, so I gathered the parts the night before and I finally got started. And uh, Well, we all know that, that, that getting started is the hardest part. What, what made you decide, like, okay, tomorrow I'm, I'm actually going to do this? Because it has to be done tonight. <laughs> Deadlines. I'm, I'm actually curious about the step before that. What was the thing about it that that made you not want to get to it? Made you put well, it off? Uh, because I wasn't. I, I didn't have a clear vision of exactly how it was going to be engineered. Mm. And I, I literally, like, my mind like puts it together and takes it apart thousands of times, unconsciously, consciously. I mean, I go to sleep with this on my mind for the last four or five days. It's the most difficult part of this job, which is why for me it was the, the, the hardest part to get started. But uh, when it gets down to getting started, I, I have this sort of theory. And uh, when I talk to my students, whether it's their homework or homework from me or some, from some other teacher that involves learning how to do things by the hands, I say, well, they're always like, what about this part? I don't know where to get this. And I'm like, well, seven other things have to happen before that happens. Why don't you do all those and just marinate on the, the most difficult part? And so for me, that's, that's how I approach something like this. I, I knew that was the most difficult part that I had to do, but I just kept avoiding it. I kept avoiding it. And at the same time, while I was avoiding it, my mind was, was churning through all the steps and all the different iterations of how it could be made. And uh, the most difficult part of making any light box is trying to get an even distribution of light. And I just want to make sure that I, I did the best I could with the skinny space I had and the lamps that I had available to me uh, in the space and the, you know, the budget and the time. And uh, so, you know, all these different parameters crisscross and you, you try and do the, the best solution that you can. And so for me to jump right into it would have been difficult. So that's why I, I kept putting it off and it was really hard for me to get started on it, but I knew the the main reason was just time, timing. I think uh, Bob mentioned this on a previous podcast where like 
if you have a problem, the whole problem might seem overwhelming, overwhelming, like the whole project might seem overwhelming. But if you break that down into little steps, uh, you remember talking about this, Bob, where if you, yeah, if you yeah. break things down, maybe that makes it a little bit easier and you can set little mini goals yeah. like, you know, by by noon, I'll have this done or, or, or whatever, you know. So. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I it, it's exactly the same concept that, that I was sort of enlightened to by my friend um, Ted Moores, who who he's the canoe builder that uh, Nick and I, Nick Offman and I did a, a canoe video, how to build a canoe. I, I videotaped it and edited it. And Nick was the, was the on-camera person. This was before Nick's Ron Swanson fame. And we did this video for Ted Moore's and Ted's philosophy. We spent a lot of time with Ted. He's, he's a master boat builder and a master carpenter and a great craftsman. And uh, he basically just says it's a lot of little steps that, a lot of little steps that build up to the big finish. So he said, just focus on the step. And then once that step is done, focus on that next step. And then when that step is done, focus on that next step. And eventually the whole project is behind you. And honestly, I was hearing his voice in my head this week because I knew I'm like, okay, I have to do these two cabinets. Then I have to do the details. Then I have to do these. Then I have to assemble. This thing involves so many aspects. Uh, it was just overwhelming. And I just literally dissected each part and said, okay, today this is the part that has to get done and so on and so on. So did, did the final light box end up being as difficult as you thought it was going to be? No, I, you know, it's funny. It always seems so much more difficult than it actually was. But to see that clear, to see the clear design ultimately is, is really difficult to see it in the beginning. You have to go through it. <laughs> Jim, Jimmy's dog just jumped up on him. It was, you, you can't see this, but it was, it was hilarious. He just jumped on my shoulder. He's got this habit now. Bear and I just spent a week alone together, and he has this habit of like walking up to me and just shoving me, saying, "Let's go outside for a walk." So yeah, he developed this habit in the last week. Uh, he's a good boy, <laughs> but yeah, no. So uh, it, the light box ended up becoming a little bit more simplified. In the beginning, I honestly thought it was going to be much more than it ultimately ended up being. So it, it was good to wait on it and just to keep avoiding it. <laughs> but you you gave but, yourself this mental block that didn't needed to be there, right? It really, I really did. I just, I, I just, I, I, you know, it's just kind of like you just take a leap of faith. And I know that by the end of this week, it was going to get done. But exactly how, I just basically said, okay, I'll deal with it when I have to. At the very, the very last moment when I have to deal with it, I will deal with it. That's something that's, uh, I always find myself doing, even going back to college and even high school, like this paper's due, this project's due, or whatever. If there's a deadline, I wait until the last second. And somehow yeah. it all just works out. It's It's okay. And it comes out great. And I seem to work best under pressure. And maybe that's why I'm always putting myself in these pressure situations. And because uh, yeah. that's when I do my, my best work, when there's a, there's a deadline right there. Same with me. Like a, a lot of the videos that I'm most proud of are the videos I've avoided right up until literally the day before they do for Make Magazine, for instance. That's the one deadline that I, that I try to meet as much as possible. And the videos that I just say, Eh, let me just see what I could do. Let me just whip something together. We come up with a subject and I just start working on it. Those are the ones that come out the best under pressure. I, I agree. I work the same way. See, it's funny because I'm kind of the opposite. Well, like if I have a schedule, I know something's due, then I can, in my mind, break down the steps and make sure that I have everything done in time. The problem I have is the stuff that I know I need to do, but there's no deadline on it. You know, it's I, I need to eventually build this thing or fix this thing or whatever, and it just falls behind other stuff. And even um, even if it ends up not really being a big deal or taking very long, it's just 
I think without the pressure of it being due, I end up just kind of pushing it out, not not prioritizing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have that too. <clears throat> it's definitely a problem. Uh, you know, another big thing about getting started, which a lot of emails that I get through through uh, YouTube is, how do I get my shop started? Which is on a different scale, but how do you get started? And people often ask me, what are the tools that I got started with? And I mean, I, I got started in my dad's shop when I was a kid. But when I did move to the city and I had to leave behind the shop I grew up in, literally like left behind all the tools I had since I was a, a young boy and I moved into an apartment in Manhattan, the one thing I brought with me was my bandsaw. And so it sounds crazy, but that was the beginning of my shop in New York City was my bandsaw. And I had my apartment. I had a two-bedroom apartment with my brother. And I had a little workbench, like the size of a desk. And right next to it was my bandsaw. And so I said, with my bandsaw, I could cut pretty much anything that I need to. And it worked okay for a little while. But turning on a bandsaw and cutting a two-by-four in an apartment is... (laughs) Is the biggest pain in the ass. Those are, you have no idea where the sawdust goes. Uh, you see it like on your pasta, and it's on everything. Yeah. <laughs> I did not have a dust collection system in my apartment, <laughs> but uh, so we did that for a few months until we rented the storefront. This is in 1993, and then we rented the storefront in the building that my brother and I had a, the two bedroom in. My brother Joey, and. Uh, then we got the storefront and that was the beginning of my shop in the city, that little storefront. And so then from there, I was able to bring in my table saw and I brought in a, a, a table saw that I set up in the middle of the room. It wasn't my, it wasn't uh, the, uh, the unisaw that I, that I showed. It was another little kind of like a contractor saw. And uh, I was really only doing prototyping at the time. I wasn't doing the type of work that I do now. So I didn't really need too much. I was just kind of building mold boxes and and uh, had like Dremel tools. I was doing lots of like prototyping work with styrene plastic and vacuum forming. So I, I, my shop at the time was much smaller. I didn't weld at the time. But that was the beginning of what became my New York shop was that bandsaw in my third floor walk up, which eventually after less than a year became the storefront in that same building. Yeah, I, that, I think that's kind of the key. I mean, just you, you started with something. You had one tool yeah. in that space. And that's from my experience is the overarching like thing about getting started. You can't, you can't get started when you have it all done, right? You have to get started with the first piece. And yeah, that, no, it, it's that piece is one somewhere. tool or that piece is, you know, one idea or something. You gotta, you gotta have that one thing to get rolling. Yeah, yeah that's it. It's just people always say, Oh, what, what about what kind of things that I get from my shop? I say, buy a couple of used tools online or, you know, ask around to relatives and friends. Everybody's got tools that aren't used. They just sit in the closet like skis. You know, everybody buys mm-hmm. a drill and uses it one time and never uses it again. So just ask around friends, relatives, girlfriends, parents. You never know. Uh, you know, there's some, people offer me free tools all the time because they know that I'll use them. They just sit there. I get a couple of emails every week saying, what do I buy to get started? How do I get started? And a, a bandsaw is a good thing to have because you can do so many things with it. It's the center of my workshop, but for many people, it's a table saw. Um, sure. But I always respond with the question of what's the first thing you want to build? And then just buy right. the tools that you need for that. Come up with a project first and then get what you need to make that project. That's a great idea. And then your next project, you will you might have to buy the your next tool, your next set of tools and just build from there. You need you need a project first. In my opinion, you need the project before you need the tool. 
Absolutely, because then that dictates the skill set you're yeah. going to learn, and yeah. and so on and so on. That's really yeah. Important. Everybody's going to do something different. You're I build. I tend to build small, crappy things. Maybe you want to build furniture. So we're going to have a different tool set. Yeah, no doubt. It's funny. I mean, you're, you're, I brought it up already, So, and you just reminded me. When, when I worked with Nick Offerman and we built the, we did the canoe video, I'm not in it. I'm just I'm the film, the person who filmed it and edited it. Um, he had never built a canoe at that point. We shot this in 2008, and he had never built a canoe. And he bought this kit, and we, we kind of got acquainted with Ted and Joan, the owners of Bear Mountain Boats. And we said, hey, we're going to, Nick said, I'm going to build this canoe. My friend Jim's going to film it if you guys want to buy the DVD. And, you know, we'll, we'll do it with your production in mind. And they said, sure. So they gave us the two kits for free. They gave us the, that's my dog vomiting. They gave <laughs> us, the, sorry. They gave us the two canoe kits for free. And that's the canoe that Nick, how, uh, Nick uses now uh, in a lot of the parks and recreation. It's the Huckleberry. <laughs> hmm. And then uh, if you ever see, and he still has it in his shop. I have to literally drive out to Glendale and pick it up. He's got the, uh, the Lucky Boy is the other canoe. And that one is mine. So part of the payment for us doing this thing, he got one canoe and I got the other. But he built both of them and uh, using various techniques. He did the staple and then he did like the, the, the batten that was clamped. These are just two different strip, canoe strip building techniques. The funny, there's a funny moment. And you could find all these pieces on YouTube, not in my channel, but if you just Google Nick Offerman canoe build, you'll find all the pieces of the video that have been uploaded. And when the very first day when we put the first strip on all the, the molds that Nick had built, the very first strip, Nick was so excited. It's like if you, you kind of, if you, you know, everybody kind of knows Nick now because he's a famous TV star, but he had this like such a giddy little laugh when he put in the very first staple. And it's <laughs> actually, it's on the video. It's such a funny moment. It's such a really funny, real moment. Nice. And he and he just giggled and he goes, "It's working. <laughs> you got you got to find it. It's on yeah. YouTube somewhere. <laughs> if I find it, I'll I'll send you guys the link." But that was the very very first like staple he landed, and like we knew how important that was because this is, I mean, of course, building the mold that was two three weeks worth of work right up to the moment where he put his very first piece of wood that was going to become part of the whole entire canoe. The mold goes away, but the, the strips obviously become the canoe. So that was the most exciting moment for him, and and me being a witness to it. But, what, uh, you know. what are you going to do with your canoe? Um, well, actually, I got to go out and pick it up. We were just talking about maybe driving out through uh, Taylor and I were thinking about driving out to, to the West Coast through um, Palm Springs and doing a hike somewhere in Palm Springs and then driving out to California maybe in March, do a couple week trip in the spring. Um, bring it back upstate. We're going to bring it back upstate and try not to flip over. And maybe the, the beaver pond will be big enough to actually put a canoe in by then. I don't know. We'll see what happens. <laughs> so, Bob. What are your thoughts on getting started? How did you actually get started? Because I remember when I first met you, you had like a couple thousand viewers, maybe less on YouTube, and now you're in the 70, 80,000 range. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't really know how that happened. Um, <clears throat> but as far as getting started with, you know, making your videos. Your channel and, yeah, the, when I ask you, I mean like your channel and your branding and all that stuff because you seem to come out of nowhere. Yeah, well, I, I, I plan a lot. So, um, you know, the having my branding done and having everything launching um, at one time, like really intentionally, I spent a good six months or nine months before that planning all that and having everything designed and working on videos and, you know, kind of getting the package ready. And so that's my personality where I just want to pre-think everything, pre-plan everything as best I can and then start, you know, and I found really quickly that as soon as I started, everything kind of changed, you know, and I think that happens pretty often. But 
uh, for me, it was really about just kind of mapping out what I wanted out of it, where I wanted it to go, exactly how I wanted it to be, and then get started. Now, I, I got an email um, know, last week from a guy who is planning on starting a channel, and he has a couple of videos finished, and he had a lot of questions about this specific idea, and was just really wondering about how to go about, when to go about starting. You know, that was like another whole thing. He had the branding down, he had his a couple of videos made, but he wasn't sure if he should have a big catalog of stuff, like a catalog of work before he put it out there. And I don't think you should. I mean, I think No, I, I started with one video, my key clip video. I mean, when I took when I say I started, I started my 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 most recent round of my YouTube channel, which was right after my show. I kind of used my YouTube I used my YouTube platform to just sort of keep communicating with the world and my first video was my clip key and I was like, you know what, this is just the beginning. Let me see where this goes. Yeah. Yeah, you just I think you just need one video and then, you know, within a few weeks put up another one. Yeah, cuz I I think you know, you have an idea of what it's going to be and how you're going to do it. And, and no matter how much you plan, like in my case, no matter how much you plan, as soon as you start doing it, you're going to find that you have a different interest or you something doesn't work or whatever. And if you end up creating all this content before you put anything out, then that stuff is all, it all has that deficiency. Whatever that deficiency is that you find, everything you've created so far has that. So if you start with one thing, you find the problems, you can adjust those problems. And, you know, I mean, I'm still adjusting. Every video I do is hopefully an improvement in some way over something that, you know, the previous one because I've found something that works better or found a better way to do audio or a better way to do whatever, you know, or the things that are important and not important to show within the video. So, yeah, I think you just got to get started with as little as possible, really, which is pretty counter to me personally and, like, what I would you know, naturally do. I I listen to a lot of like entrepreneurial type podcasts and, and, and book and read a lot of books and they all say, just get started. Just do it. Don't worry about everything being perfect. Don't agree with that. Yeah. Don't do what Bob did. Don't plan it out. Just do it. And that's a hard thing to do. So I have this show called the weekly woodworking wrap up review or at episode uh, 48 now. If you go back and you look at episode one, it is so bad. And I'm so, <laughs> I'm so awkward and I'm drinking. I'm actually drunk in it. And it's, it's just, it's just not good. And your first video might not be good, but it's going to get better. And it's, it can't get better until you actually get started. You have to do, you have to have a starting point. You have to do something to get the ball rolling. And it will always improve. And that first bad video, that's going to get buried somewhere. And, and you don't have, don't worry about that being up on YouTube or, or whatever you're doing. Just just keep going. And, and people are going to see your latest and they're going to see your, your, your best stuff. Yeah. And as they see you improve, as they see like, like I have a lot of people ask me about branding because I, I worked really hard to get my branding strong and to keep it strong. And so I have a lot of people ask me about that. And I think it's a great way to start to have that you know, figured out at the beginning so that everything's consistent. But at the same time, as you, as you improve your branding or as you improve your quality or whatever, you know, whatever the thing is that you're moving in a good direction, people notice that and they see it as growth. And so you're, as your audience grows, they see your content getting better or your products getting better, whatever. And they, they see that as growth, you know, and they usually want to kind of come along with that. They're like, wow, this guy or this girl is doing more, doing better 
um, you know, and they, that's encouraging, I think, to them, you know, that you're growing. I'm looking uh, uh, while we're talking, I'm trying to find the video. I couldn't remember the exact quote, but oh, there it is. Uh, it's a video that I needed something to cut out for a bandsaw. I wanted to do a video of me cutting out letters on the bandsaw. And I didn't want to just cut out the alphabet. I wanted to cut out, I didn't want to cut out my name again because that's kind of predictable. People get annoyed with me because I keep cutting my name out. So I found this quote by Mark Twain. It said, The secret of getting ahead is getting started. And mm, mm. I, I kind of like that philosophy, which is why I found that particular quote and I ended up uh, putting it up as oh, yeah. a subject for that, for that bandsaw uh, cutout. The, the secret of getting ahead is getting started. And literally, when I know, for instance, I got a big project and I tell my students, I tell my students this all the time. They say, oh, I don't know what's going to happen when I get to there. I'm like, you know what? At least you got these 50 other things that you know that you can do, that you can accomplish. Just get started with those and then everything will start to fall into place. But I notice a lot of people get paralyzed by fear, whether it's like a fear of starting a business or a fear of starting a small project or, or a rehab project, whether it's a house or anything. And they're afraid they're going to screw it up. And I was like, you are going to screw it up. Just know that and just get started anyway because you could fix it. Yeah. You know, this, you're not, you're not, this isn't brain surgery. You're not, you're not doing open heart surgery on someone's life. This is just you know, a woodworking project. At the end of the day, you burn out a blade, you, you screw a saw up, you burn up a chunk of wood, you just start again. You learn from that mistake and keep moving forward. Yep. But if you but if you are a heart surgeon, then you should probably know what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. You, 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 you can't screw that up. So. <laughs> That's on a <the> podcast. <laughs> That's funny. We were talking a little bit about my hand injury, and I said that. That's certainly something that I couldn't fix. So Yeah. <laughs> I had to go to the doctors for that one. David, I wanted to ask you, what was the impetus for you to start your channel? Like, what was the moment in time when you said, I'm going to start this channel and, and your branding and your name and all that stuff? Um, that's a good question. I, I had to think back. I got, I just got started in woodworking three and a half years ago. So I haven't even been doing the woodworking thing for very long. Uh, I was a photographer before then and I was getting ready for an art show and I went to go have some of my photography photography framed and the framer wanted like 120 or 150 bucks for each for each photo and I was like whoa that's crazy expensive I took wood shop in high school I should be able to make these so I went out and bought a miter saw and um and that and I started watching these woodworking videos and I'm like this is really cool I want to get into this and then uh, I come from uh I work at an ad agency for almost 10 years and so I I I started watching these videos from that perspective of like the the creative process of not only the woodworking, but also the making the videos and the, and the branding. And I started to get, I guess the right word is jealous of seeing these other Mark the Wood Whisperer, Steve Ramsey from Woodworking for Your Mortals. I'm like, I love what they're doing. I love like they're not only woodworking, but they're they've branded themselves. They they have this thing. They have a following, and uh, they have this is this is what they do, you know, for a living. And I was just like, I want to do that. That seems so cool. And so I, I took all my knowledge from um, being a web developer and a graphic designer from that, and and put it all into my channel. And I didn't have a lot of time to make woodworking videos at the beginning because working a full-time job 40 to 50 hours a week. So I started the weekly wrap-up show where I was talking about other woodworkers. And then I would do it like a project build as I got 
time. And then that weekly wrap up thing was just snowballed. I like, I instantly started getting all these followers and I'm like, uh, you feed off of that when people are commenting and giving you good feedback, you, you sure. take that and you just want to do more. And so I'm like more project videos. And, and so it just snowballed into what it is today. And, and, here I am. So wow! And how long ago was that when you made your first video? Do you know the the the, the week and the the year that you put up your video? Um, the first one. The very well. The first weekly wrap up video is in the first week of January of this year. The first really. Yeah. Wow. So we're 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 coming up on a year. I did. Oh, wow. I did a project video a few weeks before that, maybe in December. I'll have to go back and take a look. But somewhere about a year ago. Uh, and it was this little wine display that goes over top of a wine bottle and you put two glasses on it. I've since removed it because it was um, uh, it didn't make sense. Uh, I, I, I didn't explain things well enough. So I actually removed that video and, and I've recently re- redone that video. So about a year and I'm going back and I'm watching all my old videos now. I, know I had no idea. I thought you were on this for much longer. Oh, I yeah. You at least that this for about three years. I had no idea. Yeah. So I'm going back and I'm watching all my old videos now and I'm trying to get ready for this year-end wrap-up review where I'm going to do like a best of and some highlights and stuff. And so I'm watching all these videos in, in, uh, in one binge sitting. I can watch myself progress and it's it seems it's it's pretty cool to see like, mm. oh yeah, that, this that's the episode where I started to get it, you know. Mm. Oh, that's great. That's really cool. That's awesome. Bob, do you remember your very first video you posted? Uh, yeah, because I, I really haven't posted that many videos, you know, so they're all pretty fresh to me. I, I mean, it's been a, a year and a half or so, maybe, but um, yeah, I think my first one was the vacuum former video, which, you know, still uh, is something that people ask me about. I still get comments on it. So it's it's present. It's not like it's buried you know, too far. But yeah. yeah, relative to a lot of other channels, I really don't have that many videos um, just because of my schedule, it's hard for me to get them out more than more than twice a month or so. So yeah. most of my projects are you know, kind of recent or present to me. I was I just um, reminded myself of when I made the first couple project videos. When you're trying to teach somebody how to do something, I just remember thinking, and it was such a barrier of like, what if I don't explain this right, or what if I explain too much, or what if I don't explain enough, and. The, the funny thing is I put it out there and I, and I kept like, as soon as I posted it, I, I watched it a couple of times. Like, did I really do that? Right. And nobody, I never, I didn't really get any negative feedback. Um, at that time there wasn't many comments, but, um, my friends seemed to make sense of it. So I'm like, okay, I'm on the, I'm on the right track. And so now I don't even, I, that block is completely gone. When I make a how to video, I just, I, I just go through it. And that, and so, the, the little blocks that get you, uh, that stop you from doing uh, a project or a video, they eventually go away with experience. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, you just develop your confidence. That's what I tell everybody. They're like, when people see me do something, they're like, oh my God, you, do, you make it look so easy. I said, it's just a matter of practice and confidence, really. I mean, you develop your confidence with practice, and that's mm-hmm. it. Yeah, that, that's interesting about how much, you know, dealing with how much to put in the video, how much to explain, and all that. And that got me thinking, I didn't think about this a minute ago, but I actually started writing blog posts about projects before video. That, so my first you know, foray into this was shooting pictures, you know, tons of pictures throughout a build, and then spending a ridiculous amount of time editing pictures and writing full how-to text of like every single thing that I did, you know, so that it would be really right. full-featured for somebody. 
That was, that's to me, that's like hell. That's it's like, awful. That's <laughs> the it's, definition it's, of hell. It's awful. And that's why I don't really do that anymore. And honestly, I did that for a while and got so tired of it and so bored with it. And I think that was when I saw some of your videos, Jimmy, for the first time. I mean, oh, right I, I had watched you on TV, so I knew who you were. But, um, you know, seeing your videos, at, you showed almost everything in super fast, you know, motion. And I thought, oh, that's cool, except that I want to be able to tell people he doesn't talk. You know, I want to be able to tell people about this stuff right. in fast forward. So so I probably did kind of gank your style a little bit there. Sorry about that. But, um, <laughs> but nobody no, would well, ever know. You have your own style. <laughs> So, but I you didn't, know, I didn't come up with the fast forward button. Well, yeah, but <laughs> it's you know. just my, it's the reason why I got started in that particular concept, that big that particular style was honestly, I, I have no patience for like, I can't sit through a movie. Talon and I never go to the movies because we're like, we're, we're in the middle of the movie, we're like checking our iPhones, we want to get up and leave. <laughs> we have no attention span when it comes to stuff, we're very, very bad like that. So, I just found myself watching YouTube movies, you know, leading up to my own personal, yeah endeavor i found myself watching youtube movies just dragging the, the cursor to the end i'm like okay this guy has a pile of wood in front of him let's see how he got there i mean obviously i have lots of experience so i knew what he probably did but when it comes to you know like melting aluminum and doing stuff like you know a lot of the machining stuff i don't have personal experience with i mean i, I guess and i figure it out and it seems to get people upset some of my comments are like you don't know what you're doing but you know i'm just starting with machining and using these you know the bigger machine stuff what was your first Metal. YouTube video? Um, I have. A, I started when I did Hammered in 2006. I start. I was trying to like. I was. I remember having a conversation with a friend of mine, and I might have talked about this on a previous thing, on a previous uh, podcast. M- my friend and I were talking, to her and she was in the like the Google AdSense business and stuff. And I said, I go, how the hell does a viral video start? It's like so beyond me. I don't understand it. I see like you know. Uh, there's somebody whose cat's playing and there's thousands of hits. I don't you know, hundreds <laughs> of thousands of hits. I don't get it. So I, I began in 2006 and I just started putting up like little bits and pieces of like stuff I was filming on the set of Hammered. Most of it's gone now because I, 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 I put text over it like, oh, watch Hammered on this date and this date. And so like I eliminated it all because it was just sort of like I was kind of forcing these commercials. And all my, because I put times and dates on stuff, I noticed it immediately got dated for me. Yeah. And so I remember like a year and a half goes by and I'm like, I got to go. I don't even know how to like remove the video. That's how naive I was. And anyway, so if you notice in the early videos, I left them up just because they're fun. There's me and my friends shooting shotguns in my backyard. And my friend Thomas from from Denmark had never shot a gun. So he's shooting a shotgun in my backyard. So these are like just, just goofing around. And uh, the first video that I actually said with intention of, OK, I'm going to try and start like a little TV series here. Uh, was me making a clip key. Like I put a clip on the end of one of my keys. And then the next video, I was a little bit more of a serious approach was the the bench where I did like a mortise and tendon at the end of a bench. And I, I painted it dark brown at the end of the video. But I remember making the conscious decision right there. And then I'm like, if I'm going to make a lot of these videos and I want to edit them, I really thought I was going to make one video per week. I was being very optimistic. And I thought, okay, if I'm going to do this, how am I going to do it quickly? One way to do it quickly would not to deal with any voiceover or microphone stuff. Because I filmed lots and lots of stuff with microphones, clip-on mics, and you know, transmitters and stuff. And it's always a pain in the ass. I mean, all the TV shows I've ever shot, like you know, every moment is ruined by a battery that dies on someone's transmitter. And so I said, let me just eliminate this whole aspect of the video and just tell the story visually. 
And I, I might have mentioned this also before. I put up a video once with a song in it, a Beastie Boys song, and it got blocked on my iPhone. I didn't realize the licensing rights issues. So then I said, okay, forget it. I'll just eliminate songs and music. So no music, no talking. And, you know, that was sort of feeling my way through the dark in my very first couple of videos. And that's how I established that. And then just because I'm so impatient, I just fast forwarded through everything. I'm like, I want to put all this information in it, but I don't want to force somebody to sit here and watch it for 10 minutes. So I was yeah. like, oh, screw it. Let me just push the slider up to 2,000%. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that looks pretty cool. All right. So let me leave it there. And then that's really how I you know, just started speeding stuff up. Yeah, I, I think film it. I don't, I don't ever really do like a real, you know, quote unquote time lapse. I just film all the information and then I just speed it up in, you know, in the editing process. That was the thing that, that I think drew me to your older videos, though, was because you could see everything, you know. I, yeah. I could get through it. I could actually, you know, ingest it all without, like, getting bored watching someone cut, you know, a very long board or sanding something forever and ever. Um, and, and that was the thing that I think really caught my attention. And, yeah, I want to be able to do that, too. I want to be able to show every single step. Yeah. The only way you can do that, you're right, is by doing fast forward. Jam, jamming time, yeah. And uh, I, I, when you see this uh, spice box build that I, I left a couple of the steps out and all of a sudden I'm like in a new place. But I start to realize is like how many times can I go to the chop saw? How many times can I go to the, to mm -hmm. the, to the table saw? It's obvious like I've already established how I've arrived at a, at a straight thin piece of wood. I pushed it through the table saw or I pushed it through the planer. So um, I, I kind of skipped ahead in time in the in the uh, the spice box build uh, i'm just waiting for adam to be okay with me and, and then i'm going to post it he, he, i want him to be happy with the video because he's part of it so once i get his approval i'm going to post it but uh, that's an upcoming video but that's what i'm starting to do now with uh you know and if we're talking about maturing you know from getting started and then maturing uh i'm i'm eliminating a lot of the redundancy you know, not necessarily from that particular video, but from like the, all the videos, like where like, oh my God, a table saw again. Like how, uh, how can we make a table saw interesting? And David, when I were talking about this and Dave came up with a great idea, he recently, he, he videotaped the table saw from inside <laughs> just to try and get the dust like blowing through the, <laughs> the so it's, it's one of the videos on, on Duresta shop, you know, a little Instagram video. Thanks. So uh, ultimately we're going to do that. We're going to try and play with that shot where it, Saw is spinning and there's dust floating just because you're in the cabinet of the saw, and then you jam the wood through, and all of a sudden it's just like it's vomiting sawdust, and then it goes away because you stop cutting, which is really cool. David came up with this shot, so mm -hmm. it's a shot we're going to experiment with. I actually I stopped doing the fast forward motion in my videos uh, a couple months ago, and I try to do it all through creative editing now. I just uh, I, I try that sometimes too as well where you just like boom whatever like I try and only cut on action like whenever there's something moving mm -hmm. boom boom because yeah. anything changes I yeah. do the same thing yeah because I like that too unfortunately I see I when I see that fast motion and you say you didn't start it but I think of Jimmy Daresta and so I'm like I want to I don't I want to do my own thing so I'm trying to do everything with creative cuts and remove the fast yeah. forward and so um, but it it works for you that's your style Bob style is I, I like I also like Bob style too because it's like there's no there's no crap in his videos it's like he's talking from beginning to end this is how you do it he's got the 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 music that keeps it moving there's yep. a really good flow to to your videos Bob and and before you know it the video's done and so you know mm -hmm. you you both have a style and I think everybody wants or everybody should want their own style when it comes to video so it's 
that's your recognizable thing. So, yeah, Jimmy, you said something about um, you said eliminate, and you were talking about um, eliminating like unnecessary stuff. But that word stuck out to me as as far as barriers too. When getting started, uh, find you said that you stopped doing voiceover, you stopped doing music because those were things that were going to slow you down and make it so that it was harder for you to do your videos, right? right. You know, so, on a weekly basis, like I yeah, said, that was yeah. So you have a you have a thing that you want to do, and you you know you're making an effort to cut out the things that are going to stop you from doing that. And that's another, I think, good tip for getting started is you know there's tons of barriers to entry for anything, and the more of those things you can remove, you know, the easier it's going to be for you to stay on schedule or to be productive or whatever your goal is. You know, identifying those barriers and getting rid of them. It's, it's funny good, you 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 reminded me uh, of something really really actually really good point is and me and my brother my brother Joseph and I in the beginning and and John eventually when we got involved with the television stuff a lot of people have this misconception that they need to know everything about a certain industry or a certain process they think they need to know everything about it to do it exactly the way you're supposed to do it but me being impatient and my brother Joseph being impatient when we were in the invention business. We would just jump right into something. We'd say, all right, oh, we have to get to that. What is the goal? The goal is to get over there. Okay, well, let's just get over there. And then I was like, you can't do that. That's not the way to do it. And we're like, well, it's working. We're, we're almost there, you know, whatever mm-hmm. it is. And, you know, so we developed a, a little bit of a name for ourselves. When This is in the, in the early 90s when Joey and I would invent and sell toy concepts and, and we were doing product development. We, we broke a lot of the traditional methods by which you were supposed to either call a company or you're supposed to go through agents and stuff. We would just like pick the phone up and call, hey, we heard this guy's in charge. So we'd say, hey, is, is Joe Smith there? Uh, he is. Who's calling? And we just say, you know, and we just cold call people. And a lot of times we got through. Hmm. So, you know, we go, to get started, is don't necessarily go down that traditional expected path of whatever it is. It's funny you mentioned like you don't have to become an expert or you don't have to know everything it is about that particular thing. I have a lot of hobbies, whether it's playing guitar or audio engineering or photography or woodworking or anything else that I do. And I've, I've always wondered, like I, I, I go through these hobbies so fast and I'm like, I never became an expert at photography mm-hmm. or I never became an expert at audio engineering or video. And I, I've recently realized it's okay because I now use all those little bits of those skills together. it all comes together and it all ties into what I do now. So you don't, you're right. You don't have to be an expert and you don't have to know every single little thing. Yeah. And it's funny. I, I mentioned it a couple of times before we got started about melting uh, aluminum. Um, I, I kind of got into a couple of little snafus conversations with a couple of morons on YouTube about this one guy, I just deleted the, the whole thread. It was really becoming annoying. He says, I am the biggest wasteful person on YouTube, but I waste all my materials. And uh, so that got me thinking. You know, It was a kind of a negative conversation, but it got me thinking of, I save all the aluminum I cut off of the hatchet, for instance. And so it started me thinking, like, you know, I should take all this aluminum. I figured I would machine the parts into other things, but I'm going to melt them and start casting. I, I see there's a couple of YouTubers that cast aluminum. So that's going to be one of the next few things that I get into. So for me, that's something that I have to get started doing. And I started speaking to my friend that owns the Complete Sculptor. It's a shop here in New York City that, that deals with all aspects of sculpting and, and prototyping. And so he's going to help me get involved in uh, finding the tools I need to, to get a crucible and the right temperature and all that kind of stuff. So 
cool. That's a project to look forward to for me. Awesome. Uh, that's probably a good place for us to to wrap it up, unless anybody else has any other thoughts on getting started. But no, why don't we? There's uh, a lot, lots. Of, we went over a lot, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of areas of getting started. Like it's a it's a broad term. So I, yeah, we could probably come back to it at some point and talk about a whole different set of stuff. Um, so let's make sure that everybody knows where to find us. Uh, David, where can people find out about what you're doing? Well, you can go to drunkenwoodworker.com and from there you can find all my social media links and my videos and my blog and, and everything you need to know about me. Jimmy, what about you? Uh, well, you can go to jimmyderesta.com, but I always tell people just use Google. Google has a better website about me than I have about myself. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so just go to Google. Google image me and you'll see a lot of the crap I make. Nice. Gotcha. And all my, all my stuff is at iliketomakestuff.com. And that links out, kind of like David, links out to everything else. So, yeah, so come check us out. Check out what we're working on individually. And if you have some more ideas for topics for the show, be sure to send them to info at makingitpodcast.com. We got some great ideas, and it's uh, it's really awesome to get the feedback from you guys. So please keep those coming. And if you're enjoying the show, make sure you go to iTunes, leave us a review and a rating. That helps us quite a bit. And thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next time. Have a good Thank one. Thank you.